Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson, and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared. So, um, welcome everybody. Uh, my guest, I'm delighted to say today is, and I'm going to give this one here, Clarissa Christiansen. Is that correct? Yeah, Yay! that's close. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to let Clarissa introduce herself, but before she does, I just want to say that one of the reasons I really wanted you on the show was that um, I could see a synergy, and although it's a kind of growing field of people realising there might be a need here, we're still the invisible people, really, aren't we? Us, us menopause or midlife crazy women. So... Um, We'll move on to that in a minute, but please tell us a bit about yourself, Chris, and what you've been doing and why and what brought you yeah. here. Sounds good. So thank you, first of all, Shirley, for inviting me on the show. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. Well, I'm a midlife and menopause coach and mentor, and I'm a speaker, and, and like you, I'm a podcaster too. Um, but I was not always that, of course, you know, that sort of is happens with experience. And I was a corporate woman, quite a senior leader. I had 28, 30 years in corporate life. And in the middle of this wonderful journey that's called our menopause, I had a burnout uh-huh. and I had to really stop and rethink and think about, well, what do I want to do with my life? How do I want to live now going forward? And um, I did a lot of work in mindfulness and positive psychology and started to realize how much what we're going through in midlife contributes to a burnout, to us needing to think about our lives differently. And I think I I was like lots of people blind, you know, what's perimenopause? What is perimenopause? What is this? You know, I've never heard that word. Neither have I. No. (laughs) But when I dug into it, I could see how much of what I'd experienced in anxiety, lack of sleep, was certainly that combination of hormone imbalance and just way too much stress in my life. And then a vile workplace, which of course is a contributing factor to to burnout. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much that you've opened up there for me. Um, Where do I start? Where do I start? I think one of the things that you touched on is so you got you went into burnout and you yeah. you dived into finding out more about menopause. I'm wondering if you were like me because what happened with me was that um, I didn't I just was dismissive of this whole menopause thing, and I thought that was a cool thing to be, you know, because I don't know about you, but I think probably the kind of person I am the kind of people that are drawn to me might be similar in personality to the kind of people you work with in other words copers people who do their job well they're they're the ones that are relied on they don't need help they're just and suddenly there's this thing that happens and so I was in denial for years but 
it sounds like you learned a bit smarter or quicker. Well, I think what I would be saying is that I didn't know anything about it. I was very like you. I thought, oh, yeah, you have to cope. Yeah. You have to be, what is this thing? Oh, yes, this is something that happens. Yeah. And I didn't ever really think about this time of life. I knew that my periods were changing. I knew that I felt strange, but... I never attribute it to menopause and thought this is something that makes me ill. It's just something that's part of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that too, but I also thought, and I think that's where the mythology has been around this for so long, that it was just that your period stopped eventually. Hooray! Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's one thing to celebrate, isn't it? <laughs> but, it's, but it is actually a bit of a hooray for most of us. <laughs> yeah, it was for me. Um, Oh, and, the, and that you'd get hot flushes. And that was all I knew, never knew about anything else. And and that's, I think, where people like you and me are kind of needed because most women, if they're struggling in any way, they'll go to their GP, won't they? And there may be some enlightened ones out there, but the majority will say, well, let me, let me just have a look. You can have antidepressants or you can have HRT, which you fancy, or both. Or nothing. Or nothing. But that's, what, that's kind of all you're offered, isn't it? Exactly. And that was never discussed with me that this could be menopause. No. It never even, that word was never raised in the conversations that I had in my health checks with my, my doctor, with my the female doctor I had, she wasn't very nice to me, actually. Oh. <laughs> she just say things to me, I bet you're one of those people that eats chocolate in the supermarket queue. You know, <laughs> instead of thinking I was possibly perimenopausal, I was like, no, I don't do that. You know, <laughs> I was quite appalled, really, when she said that to me. Because obviously I'd put on a fair bit of weight. Yeah. And, and then she was like, well, why are you not eating quinoa in the evenings? And I'm like... Have you met my child? I'm just trying to feed him. So, you know, so she was not at all helpful. And then the older male doctor had sort of patted me on the hand a little bit and said, <laughs> your blood pressure's bad. It'll be bad forever. <laughs> and and that, was the, that was kind of the support I had. And, that, you know, there was this contrast, but there was none of that real understanding. Maybe you're in perimenopause. Have you thought about that? HRT was never mentioned. Um, not that I would have particularly have chosen that route, yeah. but things yeah. like that were actually never, ever discussed. No, likewise. No, I, I'm glad I wasn't patronised because to quite the degree it sounds like you were. But um, I suppose I never sought help. And, and that's... <laughs> Here we go. A failing on my part. It's a failing on my part because... Like you, I'd spent quite a lot of time in the corporate world, but I left it be before I reached menopause. So I was already doing my own thing. Um, and so when it hit me, I wasn't interpreting it as any kind of burnout, even though I think it probably was because, you know, when you hit that age, it's not just about the hormones, is it? It's that your parents are aging, your children are reaching a stage in life where they're going through their own shit. Excuse my French, I'm sorry. Anybody that rejects this wearing. Um, and, and your body's doing weird stuff. And 
there's just things happening in your life where suddenly for me i you kind of mentally think well when i get a bit older things will calm down life will be easier i'll be serene like a swan and that doesn't and that doesn't happen but it never occurred to me that all of that anxiety and depression and worthlessness and forgetfulness <laughs> yep i just thought i got early onset dementia because because my mum had it it's like oh that's it that's my part wow well I, I mean i think i just and i i had a lot of anxiety and i just put that 100 percent down to the work environment that i was in yeah as living in sydney it's a long way from europe um and i didn't have family around me and i was a single mum, and i thought well this is all too much for me and i'm trying to cope with all of this without realizing that menopause is a huge contributory factor yeah. to anxiety yeah to the weight gain and there i was eating you know salad about this size you know <laughs> and and trying to manage and going to the gym and thinking why am i this, why am i two dress sizes bigger i don't understand i don't understand i'm not doing anything that contributes that health hence the sort of doctor thought i was like chowing down large amounts of chocolate and i, I wasn't you know <laughs> yeah yeah, and I, I found, I suppose it was a bit of a wake-up call for me because I felt a sympathy for women that I'd worked with in the past when I was pre, you know, when I was still menstruating and all that stuff. He would come to me in this stage of their life and they'd tell me about how they'd gained weight and, and they weren't eating more and, and I used to think, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just didn't believe it because, you know, we're not actually allowed as women to have anything wrong with us oh, oh sorry i could get onto a whole different ball game here but um you know you were in the corporate world that's why i left and i see i saw an article just last week about um a senior consultant cardiologist feeling like she has to give up her work because there's no other place she can go because she's feeling menopausal she can't cope with the environment that she's expected to cope in and I think that's when we might see some change in the medical profession. I'm similarly connected into a, a, a gynecologist mm. in the US and she has left to start talking more about menopause. So she's left medicine having been, you know, a female gynecologist delivered end, I think 10,000 babies or something mm. in the Detroit area. And her colleagues are completely unsympathetic to the fact that she has also been going through perimenopause. It's completely shocking. blind to it. And she's like, I'm done with this. I'm going to go out here and, and start speaking about the change yeah. that needs to happen. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that fascinates me about how your, the, your work and the way you do it, in some ways, is very different to mine because I just stick at the, at the head end of things. <laughs> Like, that's, that's all I feel safe with. <laughs> I'm okay with minds and thinking and anxiety. I'm, I can do that. I'm in my comfort zone there. But you dive into the whole shabizzle, don't you? I do. <laughs> I definitely do. And we definitely talk about the physical. Because yeah. the physical is so tough as well. I think if we look at, there's a mental side and that's just exhausting. And I think the quality of life when you're mm. depressed or anxious, you can't sleep or you can't mm. work out where you are, not let alone left your keys, but what your husband's called yeah. and person and I've missed every meeting at work. That side of it is very tough. But recognizing that a lot of the physical symptoms 
are equally are equally tough and they involve other people too sometimes so the whole area of libido and everything that goes on down there mm. doesn't just affect us as women mm. it affects our partners it can open up so much misunderstanding and mm. pain in relationships that we have to be talking about our physical symptoms very openly and if you've had a hot flash it is it isn't i'm a bit warm it's like a furnace turned up <laughs> inside you and your sweat runs your makeup runs you feel awful and and people judge you they think there's something wrong with you or you you know and so i think and women judge themselves so i think that the physical side it affects us directly but it also affects our mental well-being so it, it's a vicious circle really oh completely completely but you talk about libido i don't know i think there's still a taboo here like Sex is everywhere. It's on our TVs every night. People, I mean, it's like a porn movie in every soap these days. Um, and yet, when it comes to us older women, you know, we're led to believe that we're still meant to be at it like rabbits. And, and if we're not, well, there must be something wrong with us. And you, but you talk about libido. So do you I mind do. sharing a little bit? <laughs> I talk about libido from a, a complete perspective because what I'd like to say before I talk about women is that men go through a male menopause too. Right. And sometimes what's going on is that it's their testosterone that's dropped to right off and they don't want to play either. So it isn't just a female thing. It, it's a couple's thing. Yeah. So we need, we need to understand that it works both ways. And sometimes that brings up doubt in women's mind and start thinking, he's not interested in me. He's having an affair and all kinds of weird stuff that go on there. Yeah. But yes. For women, what we need to recognize is all three of our hormones that govern our libido are changing. So we've got estrogen progesterone, which means that we are um, less able to relax. I mean, progesterone is our relaxing hormone. That's its role in the body to make us muscle relax. It helps us sleep, feel calm on. You know, that drops like a stone. I mean, we're talking about 65% reduction in the amount of progesterone the body makes. So that's dropped like a stone. Estrogen falls and estrogen plays so many roles in our body and particularly in lubrication. That, that's why we get wrinkly and we get stiff joints. And of course, why we, we're dry and itchy. And, mm. and that can mean that we just don't want to be touched. Mm. We don't want to be intimate if we're very dry and very painful. Mm. So, and then testosterone can also start falling and we make testosterone as well not to the same level as men but that if we're lacking in libido it's often the testosterone that's fallen more than the estrogen is the dryness and the itching and progesterone is we're just not mentally relaxed but the but the it's the testosterone that makes the libido go in women too and it makes us feel very tired so if women talk about exhaustion and fatigue it's not lack of sleep. It's often low testosterone and getting testosterone prescribed on the NHS. Well, good luck is, is the answer. They only prescribe it to women who are transgender or in, oh yeah, or, yeah, or in very, or to men, but they don't willingly prescribe testosterone on the NHS. You actually have to go to a private clinic if that's your case and so that makes this whole libido thing quite complicated because you've got all these three hormones interplaying with each other and 
that just is compounded by the fact that you're probably not sleeping very well hot flushes well when you're hot and sweaty the last thing is you know that once is another hot top body anywhere near you to be honest <laughs> yeah and, yeah and and then we can feel not nice we've put on weight we've changed shape which we do it's part mm. of aging we aren't ever going to be sylph life things that fit some sort of social image we are changed and a lot of women have issues with that so mm. the libido issue has many threads to it yeah. it's not as simple as i'm dry and itchy i need lubrication there is a whole host of things going on yeah. and then on top of that we don't talk about it we don't talk about it to our partners and so it just opens up big chasms of misunderstanding between yeah. people very very painful yeah i i love that you shared all of that because there's so much was in that that you know, first of all, there's that, I'm dry and itchy, therefore I need lubrication. That's the male solution that we've just kind of internalised, isn't it? Of That's their solution. <laughs> well, yes and no. Actually, we should always lubricate because it's very easy to have tears in the vagina. Well, can we mm. don't know that even before we're, we're menopausal. And clearly, if, if we are dry, we're likely. And they, of course, heal and scar. So we don't particularly want that sort of, of, of scarring inside the vagina. And of course, estrogen itself makes the vagina tighter and drier, but the loss of it does that. So lubrication is important, but it's not the only part of the story. Right. So I, I, mean, I, I know I'm going to want to come back to this. People think she's obsessed with sex. We never knew. <laughs> but, I, but this is one of the things I love about you because you're the only person I know that really takes this on publicly, which, which is why I really wanted to, you to come on because, <laughs> you know, I could talk to the cows come home about irritability and mood swings and depression and anxiety and blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah. But I've never, never gone into it. So... The other thing that was important, and I will come back to the lubrication thing, but when you said about testosterone, you know, you're not going to get that on the NHS. I think what, up until that point when you said that, I was probably thinking what most women listening or watching would be thinking, which is, oh, well, that's HRT, that's a hormone, therefore it's in HRC. But what you're saying is it's absolutely not. No. You'd have to, uh, you'd, if you went to a private clinic, you could get HRT and that could be prescribed to you and you can take it. Usually it's done as a gel or a, or a sort of a cream and you can get it, but your doctor isn't willingly going to prescribe that to a heterosexual midlife woman. And I've got that on authority from somebody I've been working with who's a leading sex and intimacy coach. She's a psychologist and she's, extremely well-known Laurie Beth and Dr. Laurie Beth. And she said to me, look, you won't get it for love nor money, really. So when I, I mean, I do know women that have had HRT, but I always assumed they were getting from their GPs. So oh, HRT will give you progesterone, estrogen, you'll get an HRT. But right. testosterone, no. Okay, That's okay. So, right, I'm with you. Yeah. And a lot of women don't get prescribed HRT. They have to sometimes ask for it. And a lot of women are starting to go to private clinics as well yeah. to get what they want because you're not always getting it on the NHS. No, no. But it isn't, it isn't the entire answer either. And I think that's the other thing with 
the way menopause is approached, in fact, the way the whole of women's health is approached is, is single quick fixes, like take a tablet for this, <laughs> yeah. do a stretch for that, drink this yeah. steak for the other. Yeah, without knowing whether that really works or not. And, and obviously what we're going through is complicated because we're, we're probably at the same time, we're, as you know, people are very stressed. Um, we can be very close to adrenal fatigue by the time we're midlife. We've got a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so we're fixing a small portion of it, which is, as I describe it, as a bridge to the other side. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's good. I mean, if you are having extreme difficulties with mood or with um, hot flushes to the point where you are really waking up at night soaked in sweat, changing bedclothes, of course you have to take a different course of action. Mm. But there is a lot we can do in our lifestyle, in the way we eat, in our exercise, in our mindset to come through this mm. and know that it will pass and it will pass. And for a lot of women, it's four or five years and it's, and then we are on the other side. We may still have hot flushes. We mm. may have that right to our 80. And there are women mm. who still have that, but not to the same intensity. That's quite true. I can testify to that. So, yeah. So I still get heat. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'll still often lie outside the bed clothes. Um, mm. But it's no, it's not quite as bad as it has been. So I can testify to that. But I think the key thing that, you're saying um i think what we're both saying is that it's multi-dimensional so i think because i think that's the other thing we we feel like we failed if we go so say we go to the doctor we get hrt and then we're still feeling rubbish and then we go back and they give us antidepressants and then we're still not feeling great and, and it's there's a sense of failure if you try one thing and it doesn't work whereas actually just get it all if if, if everything is what you need <laughs> And get everything i think and that's the personal choice part in it yeah it's not for me or for you or anyone to say this is wrong or this is right we yeah. have to go through this in our own in our own way yeah but we can do so much ourselves if we eat better move better <laughs> oh there goes my dog, Hello, dog. <laughs> what's the dog her name is minnie minnie doesn't sound very minnie she sounds quite nice. She's, she's not mini. She's not mini in size. She's, she's medium sized, and she's oh, very loud. Oh, oh. You hear the little dog downstairs yipping, and so she's decided to just yip back. Fair That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but but I was saying it, it is it, it is multi. This is right. It's multi-dimensional, and yeah. we can do so much ourselves to support ourselves from a, a dietary perspective and from a stress management perspective. Those yeah. are the probably the two biggest things we can do to really big, bold steps in yeah. overcoming this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the earlier you take those steps, the better, the better it is. Having been someone that it took years, years to even think, do you know what? I think I might need someone to help me with this. Um, and, and, and then you look back and you think, oh my God, you know, I lost all those years because I kept thinking, I can do this, I can do this, there's nothing wrong with me. Instead of, yeah, instead of going, do you know what? I don't have to live like this. Mm. Yeah. And we don't. And we don't. And, we, no. and, and it's just, 
and there's a lot i mean there's so much we can take control of mm. you know mm. and 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 that and that is the hard part sometimes because i think you're right you mentioned people wanting to be a quick fix well yes you can sort of tidy up around the edges but somewhere along the line the recommendation is to come off hrt mm. and then a lot of those things if you have a poor diet if you don't move enough mm. if you you know alcohol isn't our friend and if we don't resolve all of those things later they're just going to be there anyway mm. Mm. so how did you get into sorry I'm, my, we're all right are you over time I'm, are you yes i'm fine for time <laughs> um i'm sorry just, I know you're here in conversation. I feel like I'm just going firing questions at you. Uh, but, you know, it makes me while you're here. Why not? Um, so how did you get into the physical side of things? Because that was not your background. You're in corporate. What made you go down the, the path that you went down? Well, I began to realize I was very, no, take me roll that one back. I've been interested in mind-body medicine for a long time. Uh-huh. And I think that I realized that for a person to be whole, we probably need to look at the whole part. And I was very inspired by work that had been done at Harvard Medical School back in the 90s, how Herbert Benson and his team had pioneered mind-body medicine. And one of those things was actually called mind over menopause. And then somehow in the midst of all this noise and all the rest, all of that body of work kind of just frittered away mm. but when you actually go to that book to it you know it has a need to be updated mm. but clearly in the way that they had thought about this they thought of the patient as a partner um, and having the ability to manage their mind and the and their lifestyle choices mm. there was and that for me felt like a kernel of you know wisdom that was being was being lost because we were not many people were focusing on the mind and a lot of people were focusing on symptoms. Mm. But if we could take a holistic approach, that might allow people to actually move forward. And that and that became for me really really important to marry my my mindset work with some of the key physical dimensions, particularly around sleep and diet. And being able to open up about libido and other symptoms that we find incredibly hard to discuss. Mm. So when you, because you'd had that interest, when you started to get symptoms, I don't, I'd be surprised if it happened so much, but was there a kind of dawning, like a little voice in the back of your head that went, oh, I don't know, I've read something about this. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that came after all my symptoms. That happened right later and so it was when i i was working and doing a lot of mindfulness and mindset coaching with women and i was seeing a lot of patterns emerging that a lot of these women who were coming through to me were midlife there was a distinct pattern to what was happening in their lives and the things they talked about and as we got well into that there were clearly physical things as much as there were mental things and mm. and that's how my interest into digging deeper into this started mm. i think that's fascinating um I, I mean from my personal perspective i've only recently literally since covid started really doing anything with diet um even though, because for me the fascination was suddenly reading which has been there for ages about the gut brain axis 
So the minute the brain is mentioned, I'm in there. Like, Why? What's happening? What's happening? What? What? Uh, <laughs> you don't mention the brain. I'm like, la, 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 la. Can't hear you. Um, so is that where your dietary guidance or advice or, or knowledge goes to? Is it? Yes, it yeah, def definitely. It's definitely around the gut brain axis and very much about healing gut dysbiosis because i would say the average western diet does everything it's not meant to do and and i know from years and years of working in marketing all about snacking and snacking habits i was trying to get people to do more of it not, you know, not the other way around yeah. that women consume a lot of snacks and a lot of sugar they really do and i and unaware and if you add into that the the amount of sugar that's hidden in our food there are a lot of us who are suffering with gut related issues and one of the key things to us to remember that we need to process and eliminate excess estrogen out of the body because it's the imbalance between estrogen and progesterone that causes a lot of the common symptoms and if we're not processing this properly, mm. then we are uh, either allowing that to circle back into the body or go into the lymphatic system. And we don't want excess steroids inside mm. our lymphatic system because it lays the foundation for hormonal-based cancers. And that, and that is you know, something women don't think about. <coughs> so having a healthy gut is going to allow that correct processing. Mm. It's also going to be important to recognize that serotonin is made in the gut you know that that's a key happiness mood hormone mm -hmm. estrogen is a key component in the production of serotonin so obviously having a good healthy balance is important mm -hmm. and keeping what are called fake estrogens out of your system because they come from your own stomach fat you can produce them Mm. And they also come from toxins in food and chemicals, etc., that we take in. So we don't want those in there mimicking estrogen and creating more imbalance. Our guts are really important mm. to maintain the integrity of them and to have a healthy diet that's rich in phytoestrogens. So we're taking more estrogen in than we might on a normal poor Western diet. So a plant-based diet with pre and probiotics things like flaxseed that gets talked about a lot, they're rich in phytoestrogens, which support a better hormone balance, a healthier hormone balance for us. And, and obviously having a healthier gut prevents candy, candida overgrowth as well. And thrush is very common in midlife women. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just, that's just a yucky thing to have. I've had it. It's really vile. Mm -hmm. yeah. Lots of women have had it. And the problem is you can take Diflucan for a while, but it can only be taken for a while and then you have to have a break because it's toxic to the liver. So mm. healing your gut is a very important part of being well in lots of ways. And having a healthy gut, my final point, is your pelvic floor. Because uh, issues with your pelvic floor can be related to a, a, a poor gut. And so if you have a gut that's not working very well and you're having some yicky problems there, um, then you need to actually have a healthier gut and hydrate more because that's actually going to help your pelvic floor issues. Interesting. Interesting. Right, I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that maybe there's some people listening who have gone, what? 
what supply chain what? oxygen? What? <laughs> what? Uh, what so if you were to just break, break it down simply, I know because I've started reading into it, so I've got a sense of it. But honestly, as I say, I only did this. I'm actually really grateful because of COVID, because I suddenly realised I had all kinds of things going on. Again, not connecting them, still not connecting them to menopause. And I thought, my gut really is not healthy. And I knew exactly as you said, I was eating all the sugars. Yes. Cut um, out your sugars, take away your refined sugars. Yeah. And, and it's the advice we've always had, you know, take away sugar, watch for hidden sugar. So that's like, obviously we, you know, we've all probably eaten a little bit too much chocolate now. and no one dies from having a treat. I mean, an 80, 20 rule is a good one to follow, but cutting back on all that hidden sugar. They're in lots of processed food. If you eat a lot of pre-ready-made meals, you buy a lot of pasta sauces, mm. they're great for convenience. They mm. are loaded with sugar. Low-fat products are loaded with sugar because fat gives good taste. But when we take it away, mm. you know, just avoid all that yeah. and try and eat a diet that is rich in plant foods that are, you know, I mean, organics are expensive, but at least try and buy locally grown or good quality mm. and, and really a higher fiber plant-based diet with little bits of added protein, be that animal or whatever mm. you like, fish, mm. then you can do that and dial back on the pastas and the white rices and these things. They, yeah. All of those are just converting straight to sugar in the body. So yeah. it's, it, it's the good nutrition advice that we know but it's so important at this time of life. It is, but the reason I wanted you to really emphasise that is because if, you, if you've not done it or you, you don't do it, you know, or you're thinking, and that sounds so dull, it sounds like, ooh, really? I want to have a bit, you know, that, you know that classic, you know, I'd rather smoke and chill out, you know, I'd like, <laughs> I'm going to die drinking, that kind of thing mindset it does sound like it's really dull but i can testify because i you know i love all those things pasta i could i could have lived on pasta like how am i going to give up pasta how is that going to happen but i haven't given it up but as as you start to experiment with okay so i'm not buying processed foods i'm not buying processed meats um i'm just having um plant-based you know fruit and yogurt and vegetables which today I do hello Minnie um <laughs> come in come and join us sometimes we have the cats oh she's she's so noisy today she's on full patrol <laughs> she's, uh, she's not careful I'm gonna do some hypnosis that'll shut her up yeah she, she um, doesn't want to come on the show <laughs> she does <laughs> why not why not indeed um what starts to happen is actually, I, I mean, I can tell you, my, my sense of well-being is immeasurably improved from having changed it. I, I just, you've got, you've got to try it and it, yeah. it really does. I'm not saying I don't have my moments, I do, but I really notice the difference and then it makes me go, no, I'm going back to. Exactly. And I think a lot of women suffer with bloat and, and feeling mm. sluggish and tired and a lot of sh sugar does that in the diet and we're not aware of how much we're eating. So if we can dial back that mm. and have more pre and probiotics, we can have those from yogurt, 
yes, if you like sauerkraut and kimchi, they're hard work. I mean, I know it's very in and trendy. And I would say to people, look, it's hard work. But if you can, can try yeah. a little bit, yeah. do. You know, it, and taking things like omega-3 fish oils, really important because they're also part of healing our guts and helping us to stay balanced. So everything we do, everything anybody's ever heard about good nutrition mm. is so important at this mm. time of life because it's about hormone balance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what would be your top takeaway? If you're going to tell people to do one thing, so say someone is not even sure, like, like maybe you and me, like you don't even realise you're in menopause until you're really in it what advice would you give them to your top my, my number one advice is track your symptoms because we can't have conversations with anybody until we know what's going on and there are some pretty good apps out there there's um my sister and i like my sister i think my sister is a good app if you want to use an app yeah and part of the reason you can there's a little community i mean it's all kind of got fangdangled bits to it but tracking but <laughs> your symptoms when they occur what you have how severe it is and if you can make a side note of when it happened so take an example of a hot flash mm -hmm. did that happen after i've drunk red wine or coffee well mm -hmm. maybe you can do something about that yeah. you know so that is the first place to be because if your symptoms are bad it's no good rocking up for your seven minutes at the gp and sitting there and kind of going well these things happen but if you've had a bit of a track and you can use paper ones too i mean that's not if you're not an app person mm. but you can go to gp and say this is what is going on with me i think i'm in perimenopause i'm having problems here here and here what can you do to help me and what that does is it puts you back in a power situation well, you're not pushed around, dismissed, or just shoved some medication. Mm. And that is the very first thing, because it's the basis for a, a, a conversation. Mm. Mm. I think that's excellent advice. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. Um, I've learned so much and really enjoyed talking with you. It's been great. Well, thank you, Shirley. I've loved coming on and just having this conversation. I mean, it's endless, really. <laughs> oh, isn't it? I mean, it, this is like loose women, only infinitely better, really. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, so um, maybe you'll come back and we'll do something else again because we are so much in the same space. I, I'm sure that people that are listening to my podcast will benefit from what you've got to say so oh. i hope you'll come back i'd love to come back and maybe you can come on mine too which is a little bit more mindset-y and you know, <laughs> out there <laughs> yeah yeah don't ask me any of the physical stuff because i'll I, I won't yeah not even multiple choice don't go there <laughs> no, we don't <laughs> we, we leave that to the gynies and the sex specialists and the and the rest to do that bit <laughs> that's okay. i'm okay i'm on safe ground then um Okay, so lovely. Have a brilliant rest of the day and thank you. Um, bye, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed and taken notes and reach out for help. That's also the most important thing. Take notes, but reach out for help either, you know, to us, to your GP, to whoever, to everybody. Just shout, stand on your roof. 
<laughs> scream, cry, whatever. Okay, it's been great. Thank you so much, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Thank <music> you.